John chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman, and said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So that's reading the first 11 verses of chapter 8 of St. John. <coughs> verse 7 Jesus says he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her and so this is the little thought if the Lord will give me liberty and give me his good spirit to preach with without sin and, uh, a lot of people want to look at church members and they feel as if the church folks feel a little bit better than they do. And uh, that might be so among some church members. But amidst, amongst Christians, we all realize how little we are. And how low that we are. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means me. All means you. And so here came the scribes and the Pharisees, and they brought this lady down, and I could just see them pushing her and her falling down in the dust and the dirt, and saying, We caught her. There she is. She's guilty. We caught her in the very act. There's no denying it. She is what she is. She's an adulterer. She's a sinner. And a lot of the world is like that. They want to point fingers. But I believe if we're going to be called Christians, we need to act like Christ. I believe if we're going to be called Christians, we need to follow his example. So let's just take a look at what he did. While they were pointing fingers... And that woman lay there on the ground helpless, surrounded by her accusers. Maybe some of them had already picked up the stone. 
fingers pointing in her direction from all around her, Jesus acted as if he heard them not. Is that not what the Bible says? We're living in a day today where gossip just can't spread fast enough. But that's not the example Jesus left for me and you, is it? What does it say that he did? Now, where was this lady? And I know Scripture don't say. It's just in my mind, the way I see it. Maybe they had pushed her and she had fell down and was surrounded by folks that were pointing the finger. But, but the Scripture don't say that. She might have been standing up. I don't know. But I can tell you this. She had fingers pointing on every hand. And Jesus, rather than pointing the finger, rather than telling her what she knew she was already guilty of, and I've heard people make this statement, revivals would come and people in church would see someone else make their acknowledgments, make their, say, apologize for not praying the way they should or apologize for, for being a bad example of a church member or apologize for, for things that they had done to others and things like that. And I've heard people say this, if I've done anything wrong, honey, you already know. There, there's no if or doubt. You already know. Now, now Bobby... I've got something inside of me that tells me when I'm doing wrong. I've got something inside of me that says, son, you better not do that. I've got something inside of me that warns me that if I do that, consequences are going to be headed my way. So there is no if. You know if you've done wrong or you know if you've not. And there's no reason to apologize if your conscience is clear. But if, but if you've done something, you need to fix that and make it right. Is that not Bible also? We want to pretend if I've done anything wrong, I already know I have. And if I've done something wrong to John, I need to make it right with John. I don't need to go to Bobby and tell him all about it. I need to go to John and say, John, I'm sorry. I love you. For Forgive me. Let's praise the Lord together. Amen. And just so you'll know, if you go to the altar, and remember, you have an ought against your brethren. Mm -hmm. This is King James Version. That's right. Leave your gift. Now I could sing. I could play, I could get up and make a pretty talk. But if I've got something wrong, I can't get a hold of the good spirit. Until I leave my gift. I don't need to pretend. I need to leave my gift. I don't know why this is coming. This is not what I plan to preach. I have to leave that and go and be reconciled with my brother. Now, he may not be willing to forgive me, but I've got to make the effort anyway. Satan will say, he won't forgive you. You're wasting your time. 
And I've seen people harbor grudges for years and years and years because they were too afraid to have too much pride to swallow to let go and fix things and make it right. How am I not to know that this man may be the one to witness to my grandchild one day and may be the very one that would win them to Jesus. But with us holding a grudge between one another, that might not ever happen. See, souls are in the balance and life is too short for one of our little ones to slip right off into hell because we're upset with one another. We need to quit pointing fingers. We need to quit looking at the the, we, the the Bible says this. It talks about the boat in your eye, the beam in mine. And now I'm supposed to take the beam out of my eye before I look at the boat in yours. Let me just tell you how things were. Whenever I got saved, people looked a whole lot better. When I got saved, God's children looked beautiful. When I got saved and I could see the church rejoicing, my heart longed to be there. I'm telling you today, we need to follow Christ's example. When men were pointing fingers, he got down in the dust, didn't he? And took his finger and fingered in the dust. What are we made of? Are we not made of a handful of dust? Don't you think he fingers in the dust every day? And thanks be to God that he does. If you're saved and he don't ever come around, he don't ever bother you, something's not right. He just got, here's what he did. While other men were looking down their noses and pointing their fingers, Jesus humbled himself Mm -hmm. and became obedient. And to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. He fingered in the dust. And I've preached this often. We see the, the painting of the ceiling on the Sistine Chapel. And we see how Adam's finger is reaching out and God's finger is reaching out and they're touching like this. That's not how God's got his hands on us. He's got it all over us. He loves us from head to toe. Aren't you glad? Why somebody like me would be considered unlovable but God wraps his arms around me. He fingers in the dust of my heart. And he leads me from day to day and guides me from day to day. The finger don't need to be pointed that way. It needs to be pointed this way. Without sin. And when they continued on and on and on, he lifted himself up. Now who there? On that day, the woman who was guilty of adultery, the man who accused her. Did you notice the story never mentions the man that was with the woman? It never makes mention of him. But from what I understand, to commit adultery, it takes two. And who knows, maybe it was one of the men 
or more of the men that was doing the appointing. Was it her that should have been lifted up? I wouldn't think so. Was it the men who made a judgment based on her behavior and condemned her that should have been lifted up? I don't think so. But Jesus lifted himself up. Why would he be lifted up? He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men and say, oh, what a sawful death he had to die. Oh, how he suffered. How he was beaten. How he was mocked. How he was scorned. How they offered him vinegar. How they pierced him in the side and flowed blood and water from the healing of the nation. What an awful death he died to pardon you and me. But thanks be to God, he was lifted up. Because I needed it to be to pay the price for my sin, and you did too. Amen. All right. He lifted himself up. And he had this to say he didn't point the finger at the woman who knew she was guilty, and everybody else around her did too. He didn't point the finger at her accusers. When he seen they were insistent, did you know you can be wrong trying to be right? Let me just relay this for a minute. I won't be much longer. Young preacher, First Church of High Street. There was a young man in the church. He graduated high school, moved off, and the next thing you knew, he was going against everything in God's Bible. And I had it. Had it had written proof. I could have taken that and I prayed about it hard. I could have taken that and I could have went before the church and I could have had that young man excluded and people would have said that's the right thing to do. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that young man's father was a deacon. That young man's mother was the piano player. And I knew if that happened, that would do more harm than it would do good. I could have done that. And sometimes, I'm just going to tell you how it really is. The young preacher, they look to older men and older preachers. Now, here are other preachers preach about how straight it is and how it's supposed to be. Until you've walked in them shoes, you don't know what I'm talking about. The last thing a good pastor wants to do is to bring harm to his church. The last thing a good pastor wants to do is to bring angst 
is to bring, is to break the peace. It's, and so, folks, you see, you can be wrong trying to be right, is what I'm trying to get at. And Jesus, these folks were trying to be right. They had read what Moses had said. They knew what the Old Testament had said. But it was revealed in a new and living way was standing right before them. The way of mercy, the way of grace was standing right before them. He said, ye without sin, let them cast the first stone. And each man begin to examine their life. Now, it's a whole lot. Of, oh, remember the scripture in James where it talks about we're like a man beholding our natural face in the glass and go away and straightway forget us. What matter of man we are? Do you remember? You were a sinner. Do you remember? You were on your way to hell. Do you remember the fear that you had in your heart? The guilt that weighed you down and how Jesus had mercy and grace for you. Why can't we have it for others if He gave it to us freely? All right. Ye without sin, let him cast the first stone. Who was there without sin? It wasn't the woman. Her sin had been witnessed. Who was there without sin? And one by one, and surely there was already men pointing fingers. Already men had picked up the stone. And they began to take a long, hard look. Becky sings this song every once in a while. The things that I love and hold dear to my heart, they're disbarred, they're not mine at all. Remind me. We need to show me where you brought me from is one of the lines and where I could have been. But for the grace of God, I could have been strung out on drugs. But for the grace of God, you could have been the homeless person living in the cardboard box, bumming every dime and nickel you could get just to get one more drink. But for the grace of God, we could have been born in Cuba. We could have been born in North Korea. We could have been born in Russia. We could have been born in the Philippines. We could have been born in these places where they don't know anything about the Lord and the government says you can't feed, you can't mention their name, you can't have a book that talks about them. But thanks be to God, God gave us grace to be born in a country where we could hear the gospel preached and we could worship a living God. Show me where you brought me from. I had to preach a funeral to my relatives just a few weeks ago. Some of you know my family well. My family is no different from yours. We cover the whole spectrum. Folks, but for the grace of God, I could have been in a lot different, a lot worse situation. So the best thing I could do when this wants to throw things at people, 
You've got one of those too, don't you? If we're not very careful, we'll spit out four or five words in just a second that we can't take back in a lifetime. Oh. The people could tell things about me. They could say things about me. Jim, they sometimes have been very justified in doing so. But before I would throw, I think about Jesus and what he's done for me. I can't. I have no right. Because if I got what I deserved, I'd be burning in hell. Oh, I deserved it. I was like, and sometimes I'd like to preach if the Lord allowed me to on conviction. But I was convicted. I was sentenced. I was guilty. I was that woman. I was lost. I was going my way to hell. My sentence was a death sentence for eternity in hell. But the great Savior, the one that had mercy and grace, stepped in and pardoned a sinner, a guilty boy, a sinner like me, and said, let him go free. Oh, the one that was there without sin took my sin up to Calvary and paid for it and pardoned me so I didn't have to go to that awful place. The one that was without sin, Jesus. Well, he's a character in a story that happened 2,000 plus years ago. And guess what? He's not like Rumpelstiltskin. You will get to see him. I don't believe that junk. There ain't no such thing. I've got people that live the same way. Whether you believe it or whether you don't, you'll still get to see him. Every eye shall see him. Every eye shall behold him, even the one that pierced him. And this preacher, I want to see Jesus. You'll get to. When I get to heaven, I'll see him. You don't have to wait that long. He's coming back. Let's, read, let's talk about revelations for just a minute. And I saw the dead, great and small, stand before the judgment seat of God, and the books were open. And another book, which is the Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged according to the deeds done in the body. Every eye will see him. You'll see him because he's the one does the judgment. He's the right. How could he do judgment? Because let us now come boldly to the throne of grace. For we have not a high priest can not be touched by the power of our infirmities for he was tempted on every side like we were yet without sin. Therefore let us boldly come before the throne of grace that we may find grace to help in the time of need. And another scripture says he shall return again without sin unto salvation. He, I just can't change, preacher. I've tried. I just can't give this up. I can't do that. What would people say? It don't matter. Look at the whole crowd that was gathered around 
that woman, that fallen woman, all of them thought ill of her, didn't they? All of them did. But the one that was fingered in the dust. And when it came right down to it, and they all began to examine themselves, they all just dropped those stones and one by one walked away. Why? Because all have sinned. But there was one without sin. When it came right down to it, and Jesus said, Woman, where are thine accusers? She looked around, and there was none. It was just him and her. Who did you meet up with? When it all came right down to salvation. Now, I don't know your life. Some of you may have been saved when you was young. Some of you may have been saved when you was older. Some of you may have done things, and I've done things, that I hope nobody ever finds a word out about. And you may be here and done things you hope never see the light of day. It doesn't matter what I think about them. All that matters is that the one without sin has mercy and grace for you. And you don't have to tell me what you've done. I can't do a thing about it. No way. I can't do a thing about it. All I can do is pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord, pardon. Lord, forgive. If you do it for somebody like me, would you please do it for my brother? Would you please do it for my sister? Would you please do it for this one that needs you right now? I'm telling you, gee, if you get nothing else out of what I preach tonight, just know this, Jesus loves you. The one that was without sin. He was the only one that held the right to judgment. And yet he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let me just tell you just a little bit about him and then I'll hush. The Bible said he was reviled and yet he reviled not. He opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53rd chapter says he was as a sheep before his shears was done, so he openeth not his mouth. When men mocked him, he took that. He never argued. He never sneered. He never got angry. Now I can read where he did get angry. Can we tell you about that? I'm afraid it's where our churches have gotten to today. He went into the church, the tabernacle, whatever you'll have it. And there sat the sailors selling the turtle doves. Well, why would he get angry at something like that, preacher? Because men were using someone else's sacrifice and not being willing to sacrifice themselves. I know the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. But when we're willing to give no sacrifice, we're telling Jesus exactly how much we think of him and his church. I believe. Now, there'll be people bucket me on this. 
I believe if you've been saved, there's a desire in your heart to go to church. I know Jesus does the saving. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. But somebody prayed for me. Somebody labored for me. Somebody lost sleep because of me. Somebody cared enough. Just like the man that took the man that was sick of the palsy and laid him down at the feet of Jesus. Somebody cared enough to take my name to Jesus and say, Amen. would you please save that little boy. And so I owe the church a great debt. Most of those people, John, has gone on to be their reward. But I still love the church. I'm going to live for it. I'm going to be in it. I'm going to serve it. I'm going to praise the Lord together with God's people until I see Him coming in the clouds of glory. Without sin, you can't get there on your own. Did you know it? Let me just preach this. You'll never get this body good enough to go to heaven. It won't happen. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It won't happen. You won't take this with you. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Let me just preach this. When I got saved, Jesus washed my sin away. That was 45 years ago. And I've got news for you. I've not lived perfect in 45 years. I have sinned. I have failed the Lord. I've not got out and committed adultery. I've never been drunk a day in my life. But I've stood right on the altar of God. And him say, sing a song. And I'd say, Lord, if that's you, you let somebody else do so and so. You know what he'd do? Not two minutes later, they'd come right out with whatever I'd requested of him. And I'd still doubt, still put it off. That's just as much sin as taking a drink of Budweiser. Sin is sin, folks. And be sure your sin will. Well, preacher, what harm is that? I'll tell you what harm it does. The next time, he might not call on me. The next time it might be somebody else and I'll be cold as a frog. If you've been there, I've been there too. I've been there too. Folks, we can't live perfect. I, that's why the Bible says, strive. If Jesus had intended for us to live perfect, that's exactly how he would have said it. But he didn't say that, did he? The Bible says to strive. What's that mean? That means to make the effort, doesn't it? Strive for perfection. We'll never get there in this body. Let me tell you when we're going to get there. When we get rid of this body. When we get the glorified body. When we're in his presence face to face on the streets of glory. How can you say such a thing, preacher? 
because sin will not be there. Without sin. Let me tell you what sin does. Sin causes separation. Sin will tire you away from your family. Sin will tire you away from your wife. Sin will tire you away from your husband. Sin will tire you away from your mom and daddy. Sin will cause you to do things you never thought you'd do in your lifetime. Sin will cause you to reject the Lord. Sin will cause you to burn in hell for eternity. Sin will have a blackness upon you that you can't never get rid of by yourself. And the only way that you can do anything about it is to talk to the one that has no sin. Who is that preacher? His name is Jesus. And he's already paid for your sin. Yes, there'll be streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper. There'll be saints, prophets, priests, a graveyard full of people that'll be leading the way. These good folks we go to church with will be at that number. I'm the least little old boy, but I get to go too. Amen, buddy. But you want to know what will be the best part about it? No sin. Mm-hmm. If there's no sin, there'll be no death. For the wages of sin is death. Is that not what the Bible says? If there's no sin, there'll be no death. If there's no sin, there'll be no pain. If there's no sin, there'll be no hospital. If there's no sin, there'll be no graveyard. If there's no sin, and I like the song, don't you, John? Everybody will be happy over there. You know what? Sin causes disappointment and heartache, but none of that will be there. Sin causes sadness. Sin causes things that are the worst part of this life. It won't be a good country. We will be without sin. Why? Because we'll be with the one that paid the price for it. All right. Without sin. So where does that put me? The old accuser. Where does that put me? The one that points my finger. The one that says this one's done wrong. That one. Where does that put me? That puts me at the point where I never will be able to cast aside. Because I can't get rid of sin till I lay this body down. Now let me just preach one little thing to clarify and then I'm done. I got saved when I was eight years old. And Jesus paid for those sins. But you know who's paid for the one since I got saved? I've had many heartaches. Many things that come upon me, I wished. It's caught. How many nights do you think David cried over that baby that died that he and Bathsheba lost? How many nights do you think David sorrowed because his sin was made open and all Israel knew about it? You just think about that. If everybody, let's just go to Dutch bottoms. If 
If everybody in Dutch Bottoms knew everything you'd ever did, now how, how does it feel? How many times do you think David sorrowed because all Israel knew about his sin? He paid dearly. He lost three children because of his sin. I've never lost a child, but there's lots of things I've lost, lots of things I wished I had, but sin has kept me from it. And you've been there too, haven't you? Oh. Now think about laying that down, leaving that here. I used to sing this song, I'll lay it down and leave it. Mom and Dad used to sing this song, What Will I Leave Behind? You won't know what I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave seed. Leave right here. Because I ain't going to be that on that side. Amen. Oh, without seed. You think about a time without seed. As far as I know, everybody here tonight lives a good godly life. But every one of us has lost someone, haven't we? Every one of us has lost a friend. A mother, a father, a sister, or a brother. And it broke your heart, didn't it? Why did that have to happen? S-I-N. That's why. Now you think about going to a place where there is no without sin. And we get to go there because he endured all temptation and yet remained without sin so that we could be free. He that is without sin, who was that? Why, that was Jesus. Aren't you glad you know him? Little song, I'll leave you with this. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Had a deacon at Round Mountain. He was a real quiet fellow. Paul Willis, some of you would know him. As good a man as I ever known. He sat right on the front pew and the preacher always sat right here at Red Mountain. And I'd aggravate him. I aggravated him for a year. Paul, you got a song to sing. Well, if he did sing, he had sang so low you couldn't hear him. No, no. He knew I was just aggravating him, joking with him. I'd done that about every service for a year. And I was up opening up service, and I said, does anybody have a song to sing? And guess who got up? He brought a little red songbook. He opened it up. He said, now I can't sing, so I'm just going to read you the words. You ask me why I'm happy. Well, I'll just tell you why. Because... My sins are gone. 
They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. That's why my sins are gone. He didn't say, <coughs> Grady, he didn't hit an F or he didn't hit a C. But he sung to my heart. Amen. I listened to them words and tears welled up by eyes. It's not in what note you hit, how on key you are, how high or low you can sing. It's where it comes from that matters. I'm not talking about the diaphragm. I'm talking about the heart. Amen. That's where it matters. He was happy. Why? Because his sins were gone. Without sin. Now let me just ask you this. Church goers. Are you happier without sin? Amen. How's it feel whenever you got it all over you? Not one bit of happiness is it? Without sin. I've heard them and you've heard them. Well, I wouldn't go to church. They do. I've seen this and do that. I've seen this and do the other. You may have. But have you seen them happy? We've got this flesh to put up with. And that's why, folks, we've got people busting hell wide open. We've got sinners at Dutch bottoms. And if we're not very careful, they're going to slip right through our fingers. We need to do our best to live without sin. And when I've been to Juanita's house. I've been to Becky's house. I've been to Georgie's house. I've been to Gayla's house. Several of these homes. Been in Joanne's home. Been in Roger and Carolyn's home. Been in John and Peggy's home. And I would guarantee you of any of those homes that I made mention of, they walked in tonight and there was a mess on the floor, juice or water or whatever, before these ladies sat down and cleaned it up. Why aren't we like that in our lives? We'll just let sin linger and linger and linger and linger, knowing what it does. These ladies might see a little old puddle of water and Joanne would run with a mop or a cloth or something to get that up. Now she knows if Marvin stepped in that just the right way, he could fall and get hurt. And that's the last thing she wants to happen. Yet we'll let sin lay in our lives, and it's hurting the people we love every day. Oh, that we'd live a life without sin. All right.